Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, and we find our way to the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter number 9. The book of Ecclesiastes and chapter number 9. Solomon the writer is an old man now and he's looking back at life. And he's giving an honest evaluation, and we appreciate that. A lot of times when people look back, they don't look at it honestly. But Solomon is looking at honestly. And he is saying in chapter 8 that there's lots of things that he can't figure out. There are a lot of things that confuse him. For example, why is it that people who do horrible things seem to prosper, and those who are trying to do right seem to suffer? He says, it doesn't make sense. He, he looks at the things that are going on and says, there's lots of things that don't make sense. Well, as he continues to write in chapter number nine, he does a continuation of that thought and comes to an observation. Notice with me in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number nine. Ecclesiastes chapter nine, and notice with me if you don't mind, in verse number one. Ecclesiastes chapter nine and verse number one. For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean, to the and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth, and to him that sacrificeth not. As it is good, so is the sinner, and he that sweareth, and he that uh, feareth an oath. There is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is also one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart, while they live, and after they go to the dead." For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun." And if you have it a marking a phrase, mark a very poetical but a very encouraging phrase that we find in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and notice with me in verse 4, where it says, a living dog is better than a dead lion. A living dog is better than a dead lion. There was a family who was had a kid who was graduating from the University of Michigan. And as they were preparing for his graduation day, they packed up, excited to see him. And as they had arrived a little bit late, they arrived in time for the ceremony. And as the ceremony went in and they were passing out the diplomas, their son was not part of it. 
they wondered what happened. And so they went to one of his friends and said, where's he at? And they said, we haven't seen him in three days. They actually found his body a little bit later and with a note saying that he was notified that he wasn't going to graduate and he didn't feel like he could face his parents. So he decided to take his own life. And of course, how it grieved his own parents. And they had no way of telling him that he was more important than his graduation. He was more important than the failures that he may have thought that he had in his life. This becomes the essence of this phrase here. That a dead dog or a sick dog is better than a dead lion. The idea of a sick dog here is not the idea of our pet. Many of us have pets that will look at us with big adoring eyes that all they need to be pleased is a nice kind word or a little pet. What it's speaking about is here is a mangy dog, a dog that's wild, almost feral, a dog that's, that's rejected by everything, a dog that you wouldn't trust to be with. And the Bible here is given a comparison that a, a sick dog is better than a dead lion, the king of beasts. It is better to have a mangy mutt that's feral than a majestic lion that's dead. Why? Because as long as there's life, there is hope. It doesn't matter how bad the situation is. It doesn't matter how far it's gone. As long as there's life, there's still hope. And we have a God of hope. Notice again in verse 4. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. As long as there's life, there is hope. This is a big deal here. And people need to be reminded of this, that as long as there's life, there's hope. It doesn't matter how bad we've messed up. It doesn't matter how bad we've shipwrecked our life. It doesn't matter how bad the consequences stack up. As long as there's breath, as long as there's life, there's still hope. And hope can do a lot if people had hope. And as long as God's still on the throne, he can help. He is a God. People need to hear this because there are sometimes we look at people and say they're too far gone. As long as they're alive, they are not too far gone. As long as they're still breathing, God can still work in their life to do something to bring them back. There is still hope. I'm thankful for this, that as long as there's life, there is hope. There may be many times where you feel like you've kind of reached the bottom of the barrel and you can't see any way up. And some people, unfortunately, at those times, consider the conclusion of just ending it all. And what they need to hear, as long as there's life, there is hope. There is hope. There's a God that's sitting on the throne. Which brings us to our first point here, the idea that of an eternal God. An eternal God. Notice with me in chapter 9 and verse 1. For this, for all this, I considered in my heart. Notice the first word there is for. He's thinking about all of the conclusions that he had drawn in chapter 8. Talking about how it seems like the ungodly seem to be prospering and the godly are dying off and suffering. He goes through this and observing the conclusions. Then he says, for all this I considered in my heart, even declare all of this, that the righteous and the wise 
and their works are in the hand of God. You know, that's the best place to be is in the hand of God. That God has things under control. He says, when I consider this, I must come to the place where I say in my heart that it's in God's hand. I can trust God. I can trust God to work. If I allow him to have that opportunity, God can still do something. As long as there's life, there's hope. Because we have an eternal God who's on the throne. We have a God who's still at work. And as long as there's life, he is still working. He can still work with someone who is still alive. All of life is in his hand. All of the universe is in his hand. Everything is under his control. It has never been pried out. He is still in charge. Notice if you don't mind, as we just take a quick reference, hold your finger here, but turn with me to Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is a powerful psalm. As once again, it gives a conclusion about looking at life as it is, but then it takes an eternal view. Notice with me in Psalm 2. Psalm 2. In Psalm 2 verse 1, it says, Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. So it's giving a conclusion and looking at things and says, Why do the people rage? Well, there's lots of people who are upset about a lot of different things. And they're raging and they're upset. Uh, People imagine an empty thing. There's a lot of imaginations of empty things out there. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Notice what they're doing against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let's break their bands asunder. Let's cast away their cords from us. It says that the people, the rulers have all gathered together and said, we're going to on purpose conspire together to go against God's plan, God's program, God's people, anything that they have great plans and that if we're all united, God can't stand against us. We could turn the tide. God won't be able to do this. But notice God's response. So imagine everyone on earth who hates God are banded together. They come to an agreement. They're going to stand against God. Now, do you think God's up in heaven going, oh no, this is it. Uh, They've all joined together. Do you think he's shaking? Do you think he's pacing in heaven and saying, oh man, I, I mean, this is what thing I was trying to avoid. If they get together, there's no way I'm going to stand against this. Is he kind of just rubbing his temples? What is his response? Verse four, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Hey, you can do whatever you want, guys. <laughs> I'm still in charge. I'm the boss. I'm in heaven. You can go ahead and do whatever you want. I mean, that's just silly. You're just doing a lot of work, but it's not going to come to naught. He's laughing. For those of you who didn't realize that God had a sense of humor, here you go. There's lots of things he laughs out of the Bible. He's laughing. (laughs) This is what you guys come up with? This is your master plan? This is how you were going to finally get rid of me out of the minds and hearts of people? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's not going to work. God's up in heaven laughing at all of man's machinations, all of man's imaginations, all of man's schemes and plots. He's laughing. (laughs) What? How does that even, what, you thought this would work? He's laughing. Probably you've caused God to laugh a couple times too, right? You came up with this grandmaster scheme and it didn't work out. And he's like, well, what'd you expect? He's laughing. Why? Because he's in charge. He's not threatened by man's plans. 
He's not threatened with what's going on. Now, at the same time, this is a comforting thing, especially if we want to be pleasing to God, that no matter what man does, God's still in charge. He's not worried about it. He's not pacing. He's sitting on his throne. And not, he's so much in control that he's laughing. <laughs> he's entertained. God's not worried at all. As long as there's life, there is hope. Because God's sitting on the throne and he's still in control. There's still hope. Isn't that encouraging? That God is the God of hope. As long as there's life, there is hope. Our conclusion is that if God's in control, that no matter where your circumstances is, no matter how bad things are, no matter what big of a mess you have caused, we could still come to the place at any time and say, I trust God. Lord, I'm turning over. I'm going to trust you to work. I'm going to faith you. I'm going to depend upon you. I'm thankful that God could even let us come to the place where we've done everything we could. We failed. We've messed up. And we have no way out. And we could say, all right, God, I've done it my way for such a long time. I trust you. As long as there's life, there is hope. I'm thankful that we have a great God. As long as there's life, there is hope. And that we can trust God in his hands. We're thankful that one of the biggest common themes in the Bible is fear not. Someone has calculated there's 365 fear nots in the Bible. One for every day of the year. Why so many? Because we're a fearful people. But when we could trust God, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be fearful what's on CNN. We don't have to be fearful what's on YouTube. We don't have to be fearful of about the next movement. We can trust God. As long as there's life, there is hope. You said, but you don't know how bad I messed up. <laughs> yeah, but I could tell you what a great savior he is. We can trust him. Now, let me also tell you, it's not a magic wand. But we could trust God to work things out bit by bit by bit. God can do a work because he's in charge. He's in control. And no matter what foolishness people do and what foolishness we have done, he could laugh at us. Why? He's still in control. He's not bothered whatsoever. We haven't shipwrecked anything that he can't do something about. Someone said like this, that um, life is like playing a chess game against God where we're a little monkey and he's a grandmaster. We're free to make whatever choices we want, but God knows how to win. He knows how to get the victory. He knows how to get glory. And that God can even use our foolish mistakes to still bring glory to him. He's that good of a God. As long as there's life, there is hope. That a sick, mangy dog that nobody wants still is better than a dead lion. Because as long as there's life, there's hope. Not only do we have an eternal God, but notice that there's an event that comes to all people. There is an event that comes to all people. The Bible speaks about this starting at verse 2. It says, all things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and one event to the wicked. One event to the good and one event to the clean. One event to the unclean. One event to him that sacrifices. One event to him that sacrificeth not. One event as to the good, one event so to the sinner, one event to he that sweareth, and one event that feareth an oath. There is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, 
that there is one event unto all. One event unto all. Also that the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness is in their heart while they yet live. And after that, they go to the dead. What is the one event that everyone will face? That one event is death. That one event is an equalizer to all. And remember, this is written from a man's perspective, looking at it from, from earth. As once you're dead, you're no longer operating. Once you're dead, you're no longer influencing the world. Once you're dead, you have no way to cause the world to be affected. It is only while we're alive that we have opportunity to change, opportunity to watch God work, opportunity to influence our world. That there's one event and then once you're dead, there is no more interactions, no more influence in the world. This one event comes to all. And again, it's leading to this conclusion that a dead lion, (laughs) that it's better to have a sick dog than a dead lion. Because once you hit that one event, there's nothing that could be changed from your influence, your perspective. Again, we're talking about from a human event. Once you're in the grave, there's nothing you could do. Once you're in the grave, you can't go work a job. And if you could, nobody wants you to go work a job. Once you're dead, you can't say I love you to someone. Once you're dead, you can't hug anyone. Once you're dead, you can't say those things that you wanted to say. Once you're dead, that's it. It's that one event. It's an equalizer. (laughs) We all have people that we wish we could speak to one more time. But if they're dead, we don't have an opportunity. Once they're dead, that one event happens and it's coming for everyone. Once death happens, it is too late. People need to think about what they don't want to think about, which is death. We need to think about death because it helps us to think about what is valuable. As long as there's life, there is hope. As long as there's life, I have another opportunity to say something to someone. As long as there's life, I have another opportunity to give someone a hug, to give someone encouragement. I have one more opportunity to reach someone, one opportunity to pray, one opportunity to be an encouragement. As long as there's life, there is hope. With this, we see the last thing, the end of all earthly opportunity. The end of all earthly opportunity. Notice with me in verse 4. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die. But the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Verse number six, also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Now again, this is talking about from earth perspective. It's not talking about eternity. It's talking about earth. That once that person is dead, there's no more opportunity There's no more chance. There's no more thing to work. It says the opportunity to love is gone. Hatred is gone. Envy is gone. It's now perished. No more do we have an opportunity to work. That 
once we die, it's the end of all of our opportunities. Understanding that death is around the corner affects us. And it should affect us. David Livingston was a great missionary explorer. Uh, many people have heard of David Livingston. He was a missionary. He went and opened up the interior of Africa. However, he said later in life that at the beginning of my life, I didn't have time for my kids. And at the end of my life, when I had time, my kids didn't have time for me. That's an unfortunate statement. Now's the time to spend Now's the time to consider. Now's the time to take advantage of the opportunities that we have. Because once we're dead, we don't get those opportunities back. It's the end of all earthly opportunities. Once the grave hits, we don't have any interactions. We don't have any more opportunities to get things right. It's too late. It's too late. If you could forgive a personal illustration. Um, my family on my father's side has had a horrible genetic disease called Huntington's disease. It is a horrible way of dying. It's kind of like Alzheimer's maxed out. It eats away at your brain and it makes you where you lose control of your body. You become a prisoner of your own mind. But what makes it worse is that it eats away your brain so much that it actually changes your personality. You're no longer the same person you used to be. And uh, it, it causes all kinds of things. My biological father died of it. His father died of it. His father died of it. His father died of it. This is a nice legacy. Uh, I had a 50% chance of getting it because of genetics. So, yay, wonderful. And that was... Uh, a difficult thing, knowing that you had a death sentence upon you. To know that you have a limited amount of time to work. Because of that, it made me very conscious that when I had kids saying, I don't know how long I have. Do I have an opportunity to um, do anything with them? Will I be there to be able to teach them something? I need to take advantage of the opportunities that I had. So again, forgive the personal illustration, but this may be a help. One of the things that I decided to do was to write letters to all of my kids. I put a journal together and write a letter to them saying what I would love to tell them if I never had an opportunity to tell them. Things that I want them to know. I named each of the journals after my kids. So Serena's name means princess. So it's not just a nickname. It's what her name means. And uh, we were able to <laughs> want it to teach her how to be a child of the king. How do you behave as a child of the king? So the things I wrote in there was the idea of teaching her how to live as a child of the king. For my son, Zebedee, he was named after the father of James and John. And James and John, even though they were the inner circle of Jesus Christ, that uh, they would still be said, oh, those are Zeb's boys. Can you imagine what a testimony Zebedee had over the community when even though James and John were followers of Christ, they said, oh, those are Zeb's boys. And we wanted him to be a real man with a true testimony. And so the things I would write in the journal there were the things I wanted to teach him about having a true testimony and how to have a good walk with God and having that testimony that lasts. Krista Rose, you put her name together. It's Christa Rose. It's a cute little thing. And uh, the word Krista means follower, disciple of Christ. 
And so because Christ arose, how do I behave myself as following after him? So write these things in the journal. And the thing was, is I was convinced, you know, one of those things. I didn't know if I had time. I need to write these things down. I want to make sure that I spent time uh, to give them the things. When it became um, apparent that I had more time than what I thought, well, then I made sure, okay, even though I'm busy and there's lots of things I want to accomplish. And for those of you who know me, I am a bad workaholic. I like to work. I like to work. I have a hard time sleeping because I want to work. Sleeping just gets in the way of working. I know that some of you don't understand that, but you'd rather sleep and forget the work, but uh, it's not how I'm programmed. But one of the things I made a big deal out of is that when my kids are teenagers, I'm not going to work. When they're home and they want to do something, they have first priority. I will put my stuff up unless I absolutely have to. And I've tried to. If they said, Dad, we want to watch TV, if that's what you want to do, I want to spend some time with you. I want to make sure that, that they never felt like Dad never got to spend time with them. That was things I did on purpose because I didn't know. Now, you, as Paul Harvey said, the other side of the story, this last year I finally had the genetic testing. Uh, it's like $10,000, so uh, <laughs> had it gone. And they said, I don't have it. Woohoo, that's a load off my mind. That's good. But you know, having that idea that death was near was not a bad thing. God was good to allow that to have it on there to make sure that I didn't waste the time that I had to spend with my family, to spend with my kids, to make sure that it wasn't neglected. Work is always going to be there. As Jesus said, the poor is always there. So was work, right? Some of you say dishes will be there always, right? <laughs> it is something that's always going to have to be done. But I only have a limited amount of time with my children, a limited amount of time to be an influence, a limited amount of time. There's not time to waste. We need to live with eternity's values in view. If, if I knew that I was going to be dead tomorrow, what would I do in the next 24 hours? If you knew that you had a year to live, what would you do in that last year? There was a famous uh, radio preacher by the name of J. Vernon McGee through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee. He was diagnosed with a horrible, horrible uh, cancer. And um, they told him that he was going to have a year to, to live. So he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my year wisely and I'm going to preach through the Bible over the radio in one year. And so he got through it and he still lived. He says, well, Cancer's not gone. I might as well do it again. And he did it again and taught through the Bible again on the radio. Reaching lots of people, so many people. In fact, he's been long dead and you could still catch J. Vernon McGee over the radio today. He ended up going through it seven different times. And the last couple times he even took his time going through it. See, that idea that death was right around the corner was not a dark cloud, he realized that I have a small opportunity. I need to use it wisely because when I'm dead, I don't have any more opportunities to work with people, to teach people, to influence people. I don't have any time to waste. I need to use my opportunities wisely because once I'm gone, that's it. And while I have time, God's still on the throne and he could still use me. If I have just a small amount left, if I have just a small amount of strength left, I'm going to use it. One of the people that currently encourage us, she's not here right now, she'll be here in a couple minutes, is Miss Jordan, who's very, very sick. 
but she's trying to use her last little bit of time in a way that matters for eternity. It's a big deal to her. And that even if she doesn't feel well, she'll still come to church. Even if she doesn't feel well, she tries to make it the evening school of the Bible. If she doesn't feel well, she's trying to use her time wisely with this principle that I've got a small time left. I want to use it wisely for the Lord that as long as there's life, there's still hope. Oh, what a great encouragement that phrase really is. That as long as you're drawing a breath, there's still hope. You say, my life's messed up. Well, keep breathing. And let God work. Trust him. Let him be in charge. For those of us who feel like we have lots of time, maybe consider that you don't have as much time as you think you do. The Bible says in Psalm 90 and verse 12, therefore teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. You don't know when death is going to come. You don't want to waste your time. You don't want to say, well, I'll hug my kid tomorrow. I'll hug my kid tomorrow. I'll hug my kid tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Use the time that you know that you have wisely. Because once you're gone, you have no more influence. And all of us have people that we wish we could say hello to one more time. That we wish we could have a conversation with. That we wish that we could just spend time with. But that opportunity is gone. Let's use our days wisely. Use our opportunities wisely and have every expectation that while we're still breathing, God's still alive and there's hope and that God can do a work. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.